Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure, where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Come with me if you want to not die. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 31, The Lego Movie. And this is episode 5 of my animation season, following on from Arthur Christmas, Akira, Kubo and the Two Strings and The Incredibles. Um, and this is a slight deviation from the animation I've covered thus far, um, as the final third of the movie contains live action segments. Um, but it is classed as an animated movie um, and I make the rules on this podcast and I'm treating it as animation. As I mentioned, um, my last episode was on The Incredibles um, and I kind of just want to start with that really because The Incredibles has just been, um, it's been received like super, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to say something other than incredible and I couldn't think of anything else. Um, it's actually broken records. Um, it's the longest solo podcast that I've done so far. Uh, which was big enough um, and it was actually downloaded more than a hundred times on the first day which has never happened on this podcast before ever um, I've had more than a hundred downloads in a day um, but never for one specific episode and never on that episode's release day um, so thank you if you downloaded The Incredibles thank you so much for downloading it um, thanks for making it incredible uh, I guess um, and thanks for being incredible this animation season is capping off my first year in podcasting and it's been a genuine pleasure to bring you these movies sort of each episode and to get great feedback, uh, even if it is just download numbers. I mean, it just means so much um, and it really makes it worth it. Any podcast will tell you how much work they put in and it's it's an astonishing amount of work you would not believe for like a half an hour to an hour long podcast you would not believe everything that has to be done for it um, but I really truly am grateful so thank you so much um, I'm gonna go straight into the Lego movie because I have a lot to say about this movie um, and as part of this movie uh, we're gonna go against the instructions um, and as someone who lives 
by habit quite a lot of the time um that's actually really difficult for me to do um because i'm the person who hates her stuff being messed with um and that's probably one of the reasons why i don't have a co-host because i would just be the most awful person to work with um i have a set of things that i do every day um but then on the other hand i kind of grew up figuring out how to fix things by breaking them um and I do sort of learn by doing rather than being told. And I've never been very good at doing what I'm told. So my fellow master builders, including but not limited to Robin Hood, Mermaid Lady, Gandalf, Swamp Creature, 1980-something Space Guy, 2002 NBA All-Stars and Wonder Woman. You have travelled far to be here for a moment of great import. We have learned that Lord Business plans to unleash a fully weaponized craggle on Taco Tuesday to end the world as we know it. Please calm yourselves. Green Ninja, Millhouse, Nice Vampire, Michelangelo, Michael Angelo and Cleopatra, there is yet one hope. The special has arisen. Here's a trailer. Okay, and we're rolling and action. Just go ahead when you're ready. Sorry, I wasn't listening. I've just been batmailing on my bat phone. Yeah, can you just do the line, please? I am Batman. No, the other line. Oh, right. I'm supposed to say some baloney about how you shouldn't click that skip button. Yeah, the sooner you do that, the sooner we can show people the trailer for the Lego movie. Ah, fine, 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 fine. Crank up those subwoofers, dude, and check this out. Good morning, apartment. Ready to start the day. Jumping jacks, hit them. One. Two. Three. I am so pumped up! Yes! Overpriced coffee. That's $37. Awesome! Everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song! Everything is awesome. No, guys, wait up! Where am I? Come with me if you want to not die. What is happening? You're the special. And the prophecy states that you're the most important person in the universe. That's you, right? Uh. Yes, that's me. Relax, everybody, I'm here. Batman? Awesome! Who are you here to see? I'm here to see your butt. Oh my gosh! Pow! Wham! First try. My fellow master builders. Hello! Lord Business plans to end the world as we know it. There is yet one hope. The special has arisen. I know what you're thinking. He is the least qualified person to lead us. And you are right. A house divided against itself would be better than this. Abraham Lincoln! I'm not the special. I'm just a regular, normal guy. You have the ability to be the special because I believe in you. Destroy him! Aloha, loser! We're winging. It's a bad pun. Take him to the melding chamber. Isn't there supposed to also be a good cop? Hi, buddy. Would you like a glass of water? Yeah, actually. Too bad. We are entering your mind. What? I don't think he's ever had an original thought. That's not true. Introducing the double-decker couch. So everyone could watch TV together and be buddies. That is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Let me handle this. That idea is just the worst. To the Batmobile! Dang it. To the invisible jet! 
Dang it. When the evil Lord Business seizes a powerful relic called the Craggle, giving him the power to take over the world, the wizard Vitruvius issues a prophecy. A person called the Special will locate the piece of resistance, the one relic with the capacity to neutralise the Craggle. Eight and a half years later, Emmett, an ordinary construction worker in the town of Bricksburg, is attempting to fit in and make friends in the world. When he accidentally stumbles upon the piece of resistance, he finds himself captured by authority figures with the intention of killing him and destroying the piece of resistance. Before they can kill him, a beautiful master builder named Wildstyle rescues him and unites him with Retruvius. Together with Batman and several other master builders, they set out to find a way to stop Lord Business's evil plan to use the Craggle to destroy the world in three days' time. So, cast! This is a great cast. This is one of my favourite, favourite animated casts ever. So we have Chris Pratt as Emmett Brokowski. Um, and this is actually probably one of my favourite Chris Pratt roles because he just brings so much joy and sort of naive joy to Emmett. Um, he's he's just an absolute delight in this movie. We have Will Ferrell as Lord Business and the man upstairs. Um, whose whose office is on the infinitieth floor of the Octon Tower, protected by lasers, sharks, and laser sharks. Um, in a fab little nod to Doctor Evil from Austin Powers, Elizabeth Banks as Lucy, uh, who also calls herself Wild Style, um, amongst many other other names that she's had. Many other other. Did I just say that? I did. Many other other names. Um, <laughs> she's kind of going through her own crisis of identity. Um. Because honestly, if anyone's really, truly special and outstanding in this movie, it's her. Um, and Elizabeth Banks, I think, is also really great in this movie. Will Arnett um, as Batman. I mean, this this is Batman. And boy, do we need to talk about Batman. But I want to talk about Batman specifically in a little bit. We also have Nick Offerman as Metalbeard. Alison Brie as Princess Unikitty. Charlie Day as Benny, a.k.a. 80s Spaceship Guy. Liam Neeson as Bad Cop, Good Cop, um, who's brilliant. One of my favourite Liam Neeson performances ever, ever, ever. Um, and he actually recorded both the Bad Cop and Good Cop lines in the same sessions um, as they're scripted. So he is actually switching between Good Cop, Bad Cop, Good Cop, Bad Cop. And it's it's just a joy. Um, Morgan Freeman, again, just wonderful. You know it's Morgan Freeman straight away as Vitruvius. In his first ever animated movie. He's never done an animated movie before. I hope to God that Morgan Freeman does some more because he's so great. Um, and obviously, as I mentioned, there is a live action section. Will Ferrell uh, plays the man upstairs or the dad. And Jaden Sand plays his son, Finn. Um, and there are loads of cameos. I'm not going to run through all of them. I'm just going to run through the really notable ones. Uh, Channing Tatum is Superman, Jonah Hill is Green Lantern, Kobe Smulders is Wonder Woman, Anthony Daniels and Billy D. Williams uh, playing C-3PO and Lando Calrissian respectively, and Shaquille O'Neal plays himself. Um, so the movie was written and directed by two very nice chaps called Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Now, they previously wrote and directed Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, um, which I think is absolutely wonderful. Uh, they also did a little movie called 21 Jump Street and they actually went on in the same year as this. Uh, they brought out 22 Jump Street. Um, they wrote the Lego Movie 2, the second part, 
and they also wrote Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Basically, they seem to have a really great track record um, because I have such an affinity with pretty much all of the above. Um, They have this kind of amazing ability to take a product, um, sort of be it something like the Lego movie or something like 21 Jump Street, both things that you think you probably couldn't make a very decent movie out of. And they not only make it sort of completely coherent as a feature, but they add these sort of brilliant little additional touches, um, usually based around humour, sight gags, ad-libs. And they, they, ha- they tend to really choose a cast that just seems as interested and invested in the project as they are. Um, let's be honest, when they announced 21 Jump Street... No one thought it would be good. No one. They were like, what are you doing? <laughs> Do, you know, making a movie for 21 Jump Street. Um, and then the casting of Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, I think me included as well, I thought, well, that's not going to work at all. There's there's no way that would work. Um, it's inspired, like genuinely inspired. Um, and the fact that they also got Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill to cameo in this movie as well as, as Superman and Green Lantern. Um, it, it really does seem like mostly everything Lord and Miller touch turns to gold. Um, but there are a few notable exceptions. And the main one is Solo. Um, because the Star Wars movie Solo, they were supposed to direct. Um, and they ended up being fired. Uh, they were replaced by Ron Howard, uh, who reshot 70% of the movie. And that was enough to give Ron Howard a solo director credit. And Lord and Miller agreed to be executive producers on that movie. I do find it quite fascinating to kind of think what a Lord and Miller version of Solo could have been. Because I think Solo was okay. Solo wasn't outstanding. It wasn't up there for me. Um, I just found it to be a little bit middling, I guess. Um, But I am very interested to know what Lord and Miller would have done with Solo. Um, well, we're not here to talk about Solo. Uh, we're here to talk about the Lego movie. So, um, a brief history of Lego, and it will be brief, honest. Um, so, obviously, Lego Construction Toys, uh, created by, I hope I get this pronunciation right, Ole Kirk Christiansen. So, he began making wooden toys in 1932. Uh, and the name Lego derives from the Lanish Let Got, which means play well. And in 1949, Lego began producing these interlocking plastic bricks. Um, His son, Gottfred, took over the company in 1954. And in 1958, the modern brick design was developed and patented. And then Lego Duplo was introduced in 1969 for toddlers and smaller children. And in 1978, the first Lego minifigure came out. If you want a more in-depth history of Lego, because it's a fascinating story... Um, I would highly recommend Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, Season 2, Episode 3. Uh, it's completely on Lego. It's really great. Um, let's just say this movie did not hinder Lego at all. In fact, it helped Lego to literally become the biggest toy franchise in the world. Um, it's not the first movie based on a toy line, and it definitely won't be the last movie based on a toy line. Uh, this movie is actually quite similar to Toy Story in many respects. Um, Toy Story obviously is the main movie that people think of when they think of toys because it did feature actual toys in its lineup. It featured things like Etch-A-Sketch, Mr. Potato Head uh, and obviously in Toy Story 2 and 3 featured Barbie and then Ken. Um, Most recently, German building toy Playmobil 
released a movie uh, that came out in 2019, which was very critically panned. Um, it was compared very negatively to the Lego movie. Um, and that movie was actually announced in November 2014, which was nine months after the Lego movie came out. Uh, and I quote a, a line from The Incredibles when I say coincidence, I think not. <laughs> um, because whilst Playmobil, the movie, was largely seen as very simple, I've not seen it. I'm just going from what I've read online. Uh, clearly aimed at very young children. The Lego movie is none of those things. Uh, it has enough wit, deep meanings and sort of clever sight gags for adults, the bright colours and fun characters that children really love. So let's talk a little bit about the production history of the Lego movie. I've got a lot to talk about, by the way. Um, I've got about the same amount of notes as I had for The Incredibles. So I think we're looking at about an hour, just FYI. But so on the last episode, um, I talked about the closing of Warner Brothers Animation Division back in 2003. And that was due to the financial failures of The Iron Giant, which I also did an episode on. It's number 17. Uh, <laughs> talked about that last episode too. Um and um, it wasn't just the Iron Giant that, that closed that studio. It wasn't a Titan AE situation. There were several other factors. One of those was um, a live action animation hybrid called Osmosis Jones, which also flopped. And so the feature animation staff in the department was scaled back and all of the animation staff, so that's for feature and TV, were moved to a different facility. And the next project, which was Looney Tunes Back in Action, also ended up underperforming and it was this point that the feature division was closed basically to keep the focus on TV animation based around the existing Looney Tunes characters. Uh, this was the first movie that we're talking about the Lego movie now was the first movie produced by the new Warner Animation Group which was established in 2013. Uh, a think tank was created for the purposes of screenplay development to make high-end animation motion pictures this included the likes of John Requa, Glenn Ficarra, Nicholas Stoller, Jared Stern and two guys called Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. But the actual plan for the Lego movie itself started much earlier. So Dan Lin originally pitched the idea for a movie centred around Lego to Lego themselves in 2008 when he visited the company's headquarters in Denmark. He was shown around, he was shown the Lego archives where they have a copy of every Lego set ever produced. And he got to see the factory where they still churn out, get this, 19 billion Lego bricks a year. That's crazy. Um, his meeting, so we met with the Lego executives, um, it didn't really go as planned. Um, the Lego executives were basically of the opinion that Lego was doing just fine. They didn't need a movie about Lego. Um, they were polite about it. Um, they were just really sceptical just over what a movie based around Lego would or could accomplish. So fast forward to 2007 and Warner Brothers executive Kevin Sujihara arranged the purchase of a UK-based video game developer called Traveller's Tales. Uh, and Traveller's Tales developed licensed franchises for the likes of Sega and Disney, as well as Lego Star Wars with Giant Interactive Entertainment. Traveller's Tales, uh, although now owned by Warner Brothers, continued to operate independently and released licensed titles such as Lego Indiana Jones 2, Lego Harry Potter and Lego Lord of the Rings. 
Um, it was based on the success of the acquisition of this video games developer that Sujihara thought this indicated that a movie based around the bricks could also be just as successful. And in 2009, Dan and Kevin Hagerman were writing a script for a Lego-based movie, which was an action-adventure set in a Lego world. And in 2010, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller were in negotiations to direct. After their directorial debut, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, was a success in 2009. Um, and they ended up writing the movie. It was originally titled Lego, The Piece of Resistance, um, and by November 2011, the film was greenlit by Warner Brothers for a 2014 release. And Australian animation and visual effects studio Animal Logic was hired for the animation, which, despite the movie looking like a stop motion brick film, so just to kind of explain a little bit, so a brick film is the name for a traditional stop motion fan movie made with Lego. Um, it actually has a massive online community. If you go to YouTube and you search for Brick Films, um, you will just find anything. I've spent so much time watching Brick Films. I mean, some of them are so intricate and so well done. Um, there's even tutorials on how to make your own Brick Film. Um, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. There's a massive community. There's so many films that are out there. And... I would highly recommend just go and watch and you will actually see the similarities between these brick films and the Lego movie in, in just how they move and, and how they're shot. It, it's quite astounding. The Lego movie itself, um, they agreed early on that it would be CG animated um, and that they would use digital real world Lego sets mixed with actual stop motion Lego. Um, and the idea being that the two would be completely indistinguishable. And they are completely indistinguishable. There are parts of this movie that are traditionally stop motion animated. You just cannot tell because it, they're, they're just, it looks completely the same. Um, and the reason it's not purely stop motion. Um, obviously, I talked about stop motion in Kubo and how effective stop motion is and just how gorgeous it is. Um, and there's a good reason why the Lego movie isn't stop motion. Um, and it was simply due to cost and time. So buying the amount of Lego, the sets, the pieces would have just, well, it would have cost millions of dollars in its own right. Um, and then time wise. So if you take the traditionally stop motion animated three minute end credit sequence, that took two months to film. So just for three minutes took two months. So by my maths, um, that means a two-hour movie shot in this way, and I know the Lego movie isn't two hours long, by the way. I'm just using that as an example um, because it's easier for me to do maths that way. Um, so by my calculations, a two-hour movie would take six and a half years just to animate. Now, I've never been great at maths. That was literally, that took me like, that took me two hours just to figure that out. So um, <laughs> let me know if I'm wrong. Probably am. But anyway, so that gives you a really good idea of just the amount of time and effort it would take to traditionally stop motion animate this movie. So they didn't do it. Um, even though the film was computer animated, Animal Logic, who obviously, as I mentioned, they're the visual effects studio, they went to great lengths to treat the bricks and characters as if they were real Lego. Um, by that, so they had all of the features they had all of the blemishes and fading and, and also the limitations of Lego. So Lego figures specifically only have seven points of articulation. 
So the trick was to use the points of articulation correctly so it always felt within the reality of a Lego universe. This was where the fan-made brick films came in and were used inspiration. So for things like fight scenes and stuff like that, where they were really wondering how you could get the Lego characters to do things in such a way that was enjoyable to watch, but also felt realistic in a Lego universe. Um, And to do that, animation rigs were set up with replications of live action cinematography. They had a Steadicam simulator and they also had Lego's own digital designer. Um, And that is something that Lego used to basically create Lego models. And the idea is you can create whatever you want in digital designer and essentially you can get it made. Um, But this is obviously also where the official Lego brick library comes in because it can simulate how individual pieces of genuine Lego fit together. Um, And famously, the movie contains all genuine Lego pieces apart from President Business's hair and his helmet. Um, All the piece numbers in the film are genuine real Lego element IDs or part numbers. Um, Master builders are a genuine thing too. Uh, They are the people who work for Lego. They design the Lego sets for sale and they also are the people who create those giant detailed sculptures made out of Lego that you find at places like Legoland. Okay. I'd just like to add as well that if I'm struggling to articulate my what I'm trying to say, it's it's for no reason other than I had dental work last week and I, my mouth still isn't right. So um, <laughs> so I am trying to get the words out, I promise. It's just that it, my mouth is not catching up with my brain at the moment. Um, anyway, I'll continue. So, <laughs> so one of the most perfectly endearing things for me, and probably for many people about the Lego movie, is its imperfections. Um, As I mentioned, they basically took great strides to make the Lego uh, minifigures and the surroundings as imperfect as possible. Um, They contained things like blemishes, fingerprints, scratches, marks. Um, Every piece was painstakingly animated to be imperfect. Um, most famously, Benny's space helmet. Um, and those 80s space figures, the helmets did genuinely break in that area in real life. Um, and it's really interesting as well, because in a modern animated CG world, um, those movies take credit sort of for being as flawless and beautiful and ethereal as possible where everything else is perfectly animated and and like I say flawless to the nth degree it's actually really charming to see a world where everything is awesome but nothing is perfect every piece of scenery you know mountains grass houses flowers fire water explosions animals is all made of flawed pieces of real looking lego um the ground is all made of base plates if you look really carefully the lava in the first shot for example it's all red lego base plates um with little lava popping out i mean technically that shouldn't happen on lego but i don't care because it looks so great um the lighting in this movie is phenomenal because the lego reflects it appropriately um because 
Lego pieces, if you shine a light on Lego pieces, it will reflect back. They've literally thought of everything to make this Lego world look like it really could have been an actual stop motion brick film shot in Will Ferrell's basement. I mean, it's it's astonishing. It also makes fun of its own incredible achievement in animating these characters so wonderfully um, by having the character of Vitruvius come back as a ghost, um, but have him suspended on a piece of string. Um, because things like that is exactly how an eight-year-old would envisage a ghostly character. It's just brilliance. There's, there's no other way to describe how much thought has gone into this movie. Um, additionally, things like items being shot out of focus, um, which is a trick I mentioned in the last episode that The Incredibles also does. And as I said last episode, CG animation doesn't do that. You have to make it do that. So not only did they put this amazing level of detail in all of these shots they also specifically shot things out of focus so it would draw your eye on the thing that was in focus um so the animation director was a guy called chris mckay he's known for his work on robot chicken um and he was brought in as animation director for sections of the movie um and it was mckay's suggestions that helped bring together these massive big set pieces like the scene in the ocean um which I have to admit, even though it's a completely different ocean setup to Kubo and the Two Strings, it's just as stunning. It's just as technically detailed and, and beautiful. Um, and it's just as much of a feat of animation. Um, even though it's not stop motion, they still had to program a computer to make it look like an ocean with these beautiful hues of, of blue and grey Lego. I mean, it, it's... It's just, it is awesome. And like The Incredibles, being incredible, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to run out of superlatives to describe the Lego movie being anything other than awesome because it really, really is. Um, it's almost like the imperfections of the Lego movie sort of also make it perfect in a weird, ironic way because it's just so gorgeous to look at full of bright colours and it still retains the charm of a traditionally stop-motion animated movie without sacrificing any of the depth you'd expect in a movie that caters for both adults and children because it's funny without being silly, it's cute without being sickly, it's written by adults but through the eyes of a child because children make up silly stories. This is it is technically a silly story that's been made up by a child, but it never feels like it's so silly that an adult can't appreciate it. Um, and this story is is basically Finn's way of dealing with the incredible power he has over Bricksburg while he's playing and also dealing with some of the restrictions he's been given over his life by his father. So he's created this modern dystopia of conforming to rules um, you can see it in the signs all over the city including things like because I said so and no chewing gum and and these are going to be things that his dad has been repeatedly telling him over and over um, the very start of the movie is eight and a half years earlier and Finn we can argue is about probably eight and a half years old and I really don't think that's a coincidence um, 
the man upstairs, Finn's dad, obviously one day realised he was going to be a father. Um, And in addition to realising he was going to be a dad, thought this kid's going to break all my stuff. So I need to make sure that he doesn't. Um, And so he starts taking precautions, you know, locking the Lego in the basement, putting it on a high table, telling Finn he's not allowed there, giving him all these rules. um, And then basically saying all of the other typical things parents tell children. And using the craggle is kind of the final straw. This is Finn's dad saying, enough is enough. I don't want you playing with my stuff. Although the movie is completely gorgeous and I feel like I can't talk about how good looking this movie is enough um the the themes in this movie go so beyond being just an ad for lego um the you know it talks about things like creativity and teamwork and collaboration and family fatherhood the joy of nostalgia sharing your stuff um and the beauty and benefits of imaginative play for children um and also for parents you know don't wrap your kids in cotton wool. Let them make their own mistakes. It's so far beyond the initial fear of this is just going to be an ad for Lego. Um, and to be honest, the fact it could have been an ad for Lego is probably the thing that got it greenlit in the first place. Um, because generally, it's going to get greenlit if they think it's going to make money. Um Add to the all of the above, the fact it is so intricately detailed and animated. In every frame, there's something going on in the background um, that's interesting or funny or weird. It's the sort of movie that you could just continually keep pausing and pause and pause and pause and pause. And you will see the little details in the background. It's insane level of detail. Um, it's a level of detail that's rarely surpassed in modern CG animation. Um, and I'm talking... I'm not going to name the studios, but there are quite a lot of animation studios that just churn out movie after movie after movie for kids, essentially. Um, and I've always said animation is not for kids specifically. It's for everyone. But there are studios that just focus on children and they just churn it out, churn it out, churn it out. Um, I'd argue that the only other studio that kind of does include this really really insane level of detail it's it's normally something you'd see in pixar um and by extension probably disney and and their animation but mainly pixar because in every pixar movie you will always see these little things in the background these things that are going on it's it's it is just a crazy amount of love that that goes into this this movie specifically um and this movie is it's kind of it's really difficult to summarise, but I would kind of summarise it if I was going to say it's half this and half that. It's kind of 50% parody of literally everything and 50% homage to everything else. Um, being made by Warner Brothers specifically meant they had a, a vast array of characters um, and other licensed brands. Um, and getting these licensed brands um, was was done on a scale not seen since Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I did an episode on that a long time ago, episode four, actually, where I talked about how difficult it was to get these Warner Brothers and Disney characters in one movie. It was insane. Um, 
But despite Lego specifically having the rights to make toys based on these several properties, so Lego obviously make toys um, for Marvel, DC, Harry Potter, Star Wars, kind of to name the big ones, the movie didn't automatically come with these rights. Um, so in this movie, licensing-wise, you have DC, Harry Potter, Nickelodeon, NBA, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, The Simpsons, Lord of the Rings, and probably the biggest one of all, Star Wars. Um, and they got Star Wars just in time. They had to rush their deal with Lucasfilm before it was bought by Disney because they knew that once Disney got involved, there was no chance of that cameo of the Millennium Falcon or Han Solo or Chewie or anything. So not only did we get the Millennium Falcon, we got actual Billy D. Williams and actual Anthony Daniels. Um, they're always quite game for a laugh, those guys. They always come across like they just love the fans. They love the characters. Um, obviously, Han Solo was not voiced by Harrison Ford, sadly. But eh, it doesn't matter. We also had in this movie cameos by William Shakespeare and Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I do have it on good authority, though, that neither voiced their own characters. I hear they're both a bit of a diva. Producer Dan Lin, I mentioned him earlier, he was the one who flew to Lucasfilm uh, and literally a few weeks later, Lucasfilm agreed to be bought by Disney. Um, and it was only after they'd agreed the licensing for Star Wars. So there was such a tight turnaround for Star Wars to be in this movie. One of the biggest licensed characters also turned out to be one of the biggest stars of the whole movie. I'm sure he would agree with that as well. Um, let's talk about the bat in the room because... This is probably my favourite Batman. And there's been a lot of Batman. Batman's been going for years. I mean, you just think of every single on-screen adaptation of Batman that you could ever think of. We're talking the 60s Batman, Adam West. We're talking Michael Keaton Batman. George Clooney Batman. Val Kilmer Batman. Who's the other Batman? The other one. Oh, my God. Um... Christian Bale. Oh, my God, I can't believe I just forgot Christian Bale. Christian Bale, Batman. Um, I mean, out of all of those Batmans, I can't believe I just forgot Christian Bale. Uh, <laughs> crikey, someone's going to tell me off. Um, this is my favourite Batman. Um, Batman, uh, as played by Will Arnett, um, dark, brooding a true artist um having batman in this movie um and obviously this is a very comedic egotistical exaggeration of the character um which kind of perfectly sets up his own movie um which i'm not going to talk about personally because i don't think it's as good as this um but i think when you've got the character of Lucy, who's playing it quite straight, to be honest. And then you've got the character of Emmett playing kind of a bit naive, everyman kind of thing. We really needed someone for the comedy. And, and who better to take the mick out of than Batman? The Dark Knight himself. The guy who only works in black and occasionally dark grey. Um, the guy who's not affiliated in any way with that cool guy businessman Bruce Wayne. Um... The guy who gets accosted by a clown and a crocodile uh, in Cloud Cuckoo Land. Um, which, by the way, Cloud Cuckoo Land is a term my mum used to use all the time. And the fact that they had a whole thing called Cloud Cuckoo Land, I thought was just amazing. Because 
yeah, Cloud Cuckoo Land was the thing for me growing up. And that was a thing my mum always used to say to me. Um, so the fact DC themselves not only agreed to the characterization, but have actually, they've taken this version of Batman forwards. So in the new, obviously we have the Lego Batman movie. There's going to be another Lego Batman movie. Um, and in the sort of Lego Batman games as well, um, this is now the de facto version of Lego Batman. Um, and it's come from this movie. It, that's quite astonishing in itself, the fact that a character can essentially evolve from, from one movie. And I can't imagine Disney allowing its licensed characters to kind of receive the same treatment. Um, it just wouldn't have happened. I'm kind of glad that they got in with Star Wars before Disney bought Lucasfilm because we otherwise we would have never had the fact that Batman stole the hyperdrive from the Millennium Falcon. Throughout this animation season, um, I've talked about the failure of certain major award ceremonies, um, namely the Oscars, um, for not nominating things. Um, and I mentioned it for Kubo for Best Animated Feature because it never got nominated. And I also mentioned it for The Incredibles for Best Score because it never got nominated. Um, and both of those, I deeply, deeply believe should have been nominated for those things. And the Lego movie continues this grand tradition of Oscar snubs because despite being an absolute technical marvel in animation and a great fun story, um, it failed to even get a nomination. So at that Academy Awards, I think it was the 87th Academy Awards off the top of my head. So nominated instead were Big Hero 6, the Box Trolls, obviously, Laika, we love them. How to Train Your Dragon 2, Song of the Sea, and The, the Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Um, and Big Hero 6 ultimately took the accolade of the best animated feature that year. And I like Big Hero 6 a lot. I really do. But there is no comparison for me between Big Hero 6 and the Lego movie. Big Hero 6 is, is no way as substantial as the Lego movie. Um... At least the Lego movie was nominated for a Golden Globe and at least it won a BAFTA. Um, at least someone paid attention to how wonderful this movie is. Um, you suck, Academy. Um, hopefully next episode you'll redeem yourself. Um, the other thing that's interesting about the Lego movie um, is it's actually very comparable to The Matrix in so many ways. If you're looking at the character, I mean, obviously the storyline. Um, if you're looking at the characters, Emmett is Neo, Wildstyle is Trinity, Vitruvius is Morpheus, the micromanagers are the Sentinels, Emmett's surname is Brakowski, which sounds a lot like Wachowski, um, and obviously the whole Chosen One narrative, which turns out to be a ruse to keep the Master Builder's hopes up. Um, what's the burden of being the special leaves Emmett? He actually then has the power to be a Master Builder. And so does everyone else in Bricksburg, which is a really nice subversion, actually, to the when everyone's super, no one will be message from Syndrome in The Incredibles. Because in Bricksburg, when everyone's super, they can work together as a team and defeat Lord Business. It's also worth mentioning as well that Animal Logic also worked on the visual effects for The Matrix. Um, and the absolute best and most ironic thing about this movie is Lego themselves, because Lego kits are, for the most part, nowadays, a set item. So you have 
a Lego kit for a car or a boat or a building and you have instructions to build that one item um, back in the old days um, and we're talking sort of back in the 70s and 80s I by the way I was not alive in the 70s <laughs> but you used to just buy Lego bricks um, and when I was a kid you just used to build random stuff you never had a kit you just used to I used to build loads of towers and stuff like that um, but nowadays it's all about building these specific kits and building specific things um and in making this movie lego have shown this incredible ability for this very established and successful company to make fun of themselves and to go along with the joke and that's the most incredible i i mean i should say awesome actually that's the most awesome thing of all is the fact that lego signed off on this so lego are more than happy to actually take the mickey out of their own system which is pretty cool um if you think about it as well it's also a really clever satire on the current state of hollywood so if you look at the man upstairs um being so convinced that what he's built is perfect he refuses to let anyone else come in and change anything because he knows best um and that's why we end up with the sequels prequels remakes etc because there's no originality um it's sorely lacking what we need is the fins of the world to kind of come into hollywood to create these new ideas to build these things up from the ground they'd be awesome wouldn't they the final third of the movie for me i remember seeing this in the cinema and it being such a genuine surprise to see it switch to live action and to actually all just be a story devised by Finn to stop the man upstairs from using the crazy glue to stop him playing with the Lego city. Um, And this is where the emotional crux of the story really comes in because it's got some really heartfelt scenes between Will Ferrell and Jaden Sand, perfectly cast to play Ferrell's son, And it gives the movie so much extra depth. Um, This is a son who desperately wants his father's approval. He wants his dad to be proud of him and what he's done. Um, and, And this is a dad who's so detached from the joy of play and obsessed with perfection. And the fact that he learns that he's messed up sort of through his son is just such an emotional gut punch. I mean, his kid cast him as the evil villain in his story. I mean, if that's not humbling for a parent, I don't know what is. It's perfect. It is perfectly set up for a sequel. Um, And it's simultaneously also not because you can actually imagine for yourself the chaos of allowing a younger sibling in sort of with the Duplo. Um, You can use your own imagination on that. It didn't need a sequel. Um... You didn't need to see a sequel, but the fact a sequel is around is no bad thing. And as I said, finally, at the end, very end of the movie with the end credits, just to prove that they could do it, the end credits are done uh, in genuine, complete stop-motion brick film, and they are glorious and beautiful. Um, An interesting fact as well that I found out was Will Ferrell actually built all of the Lego cityscape in the movie himself. Um, He actually came in a week prior to shooting and he constructed the whole thing. So, I mean, that is quite miraculous in itself. Um, So it would be very easy for me to say, well, this is essentially the Matrix for kids. So there's your Keanu reference, but I'm not going to do that. Um, So I do have an obligatory Keanu reference. Um, 
And and that is that genuinely, Keanu Reeves is obsessed with Lego. Um, there's actually uh, an interview that he did. Um, he mentions in that interview that he used to build spaceships out of random Lego bricks. He used to play on his own because he used to just love playing with Lego when he was a kid. Um, and he used to build spaceships um, just out of random Lego bricks, as pretty much we all did when we were kids, just built random stuff. Um, so basically what we're saying is that Keanu is Benny. Spaceship! <laughs> um, obviously, this movie did really, really well critically. Um, it was, I think it's at 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So the, it was loved pretty much by everybody. It also did well commercially as well. It was made for quite a paltry, actually, considering how gorgeous it is. $60 million, um, which, coincidentally, another little Matrix link for you, was the Matrix's original budget. Um, the Lego movie ended up making $468 million worldwide. As I mentioned, it obviously got a sequel. Um, I do want to talk about the Lego movie too, some point down the line, um, mainly because... It's a movie that's just as rich in detail and content, but it really didn't do as well as hoped. Um, and even though we've already also had the Lego Batman movie and the Lego Ninjago movie, the rights for Lego have now passed from Warner Brothers to Universal. So basically Warner Brothers said, we don't want the Lego movie rights anymore. Um but they retain the rights to the characters. So characters created for the Lego movie like Emmett, Lucy, Unikitty, um, are they're still owned by Warner Brothers. Um, so Universal are going ahead with their own Lego movie universe thing. Um, and they're going to create a completely new set of characters. Um, I believe Universal are going to be releasing the new Lego Batman movie as well. Um, and I guess the final thing, to mention is that song uh the song that perfectly encapsulates and makes a mockery of infectious dumb pop music um by tegan and sarah featuring the lonely island uh everything is awesome was nominated for best original song at the 87th academy awards and it's sunned it ended up selling over a million copies i mean that is just mad in itself the fact that everything is awesome, which I remember was on the radio all the time at one point, And it did get that really kind of infectious in your head. I mean, that was what it was supposed to do. Um, but the fact it sold over a million copies is, is just crazy. Um, I always ask for social media thoughts. I didn't get very many, actually. I didn't get as many as I thought that I would, considering how beloved the Lego movie is. Um, but... Sometimes I kind of feel like because I put these requests out on a Saturday, Saturday's probably not the best day to do it because people tend to, you know, be with their families on a Saturday or go out. So maybe that's the reason. But um, I do have a few. So Twitter, Andy at Geek Salad Radio said, This shouldn't have worked. A film about revolutionaries and free expression performed by Legos? No way. There's so many cherries on top of this delightful movie to count. Fantastic voice acting, brilliant interplay between the real and play worlds, and that song. This one is a favourite in my house. However, I found it ironic when my daughter got the Cloud Cuckoo Land set that coming from a movie that wants everyone to be free-thinking, we followed the instruction book. Everything's awesome indeed. And that that is the weirdly ironic thing, is that you get a set, 
you have to follow the instructions, but it's based on a movie where you don't want to follow the instructions because everything is boring when you follow instructions. But Legos have instructions. So, and I have to say, a bit of a faux pas just then on my part. It's not Legos, it's Lego. <laughs> but sometimes I get into the habit of saying Legos and I don't mean to. So apologies to Lego for the faux pas. Um, did not mean to say Legos. At Derek Jones 198, uh, which by the way is Derek from The Midnight Myth. Uh, hi, Derek. He said, It takes the theme of the chosen one and flips it on its head, making the prophecy a lie. The chosen one is just a regular insecure guy and all the relics, simple office supplies. Meanwhile, telling a tale of a father learning to see his son for who he is. And Batman, it's awesome. At Pulp Serial, who's Hardy L, one of our patrons, hi Hardy L, said, I went to see this on my birthday. I didn't know what to expect. I just assumed that I would have a few good laughs and look at some nice animation. Then I ended up getting Fahrenheit 451 with Legos. I loved it. I was blown away. The rest of my family, not so much. Sad face. That is quite sad, actually. I don't know why. Uh, and at the iridescent A1 said, This song pops into my head on a daily basis. Um, and that's interesting, actually, because <laughs> the the song that's featured in the sequel um, is all about a song that gets inside your head. Um, and, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I will... It is on the big list. Um, I'm not planning to feature the Lego Movie 2 anytime soon, but I might try and stick it in because I think it's got some really interesting things to say. And I think the soundtrack is just out of this world for the Lego Movie 2. Um, and it's got some great additions to the cast as well. Um, over on Instagram, by the way, uh, at Hemecast said, Absolutely wonderful movie in my top five. And at Snuggles2005 said, I absolutely love the Lego movie. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. Great choice of voice actors and on the stunningly beautiful city blocks from the expensive coffee shop to the Rainbow Bridge, everything is awesome. And a couple on Facebook. So Andy said, I had been a Lonely Island fan for a while when Everything is Awesome came out. But I had just discovered Tegan and Sarah, the female voices on the song, about a month before the movie was released. Also check out the Garfunkel and Oates version that appears in the sequel. And Eric said, I liked it when it first came out, had some clever jokes, a good catchy song, an engaging message and showed the high creativity and imagination of its directors. It also seemed to come out at the right time when Hollywood films were getting a bit stale with the Chosen One narrative, which this film picked apart. That being said, I haven't had the urge to watch it again since it came out. I don't know if it was because it was just too meta or didn't grab me as much as it did others. I'll watch it again if I can, but we'll see. So, what? how are we doing on time? Okay. <laughs> okay. We're doing okay on time, actually. I thought we'd be a bit closer to the hour mark than we are. Everything's fine. Everything is awesome. Because we're at the end. So... Thank you for listening. <laughs> and thank you for putting up with the fact that I haven't been able to get my words out at all today. Um, as always, I love to hear your thoughts on the movies that I cover. I would love to hear your thoughts on the Lego movie. Um, before I announce the next episode, um, I want to tell you about an awesome podcast, Offscreen Babble. Uh, and obviously, every episode at the moment, I'm featuring a little, a little ditty 
for um, Friends of the Show Offscreen Babble because Sade, who hosts Offscreen Babble with her husband Kyle, is a Patreon producer on Verbal Diorama. And as part of being a Patreon producer, she gets loads of perks and stuff. Um, she actually also gets a free item of merchandise, which I'm at the moment just trying to find a company to do the design that I want to do. And that'll be with her shortly. Um, but the other thing that she gets is essentially an ad every episode. So every episode, I basically try and do something a little bit different to talk about off-screen babble. Um, and I know that last episode, I know she listened to last episode, and I know she was really pleased with the fact that I was um, trying to get people to rate and review off-screen babble on iTunes. And so I'm going to do that again because... I know that it's something that's really important to Sade and Kyle um, because in order to get Rotten Tomatoes approved as a critic, you need to have 200 um, rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I know that they've got this target. Um, I know it would mean so much to them if you would go give them a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, obviously, listen to Austrian Babble first. Um, I mean, you could just rate and review them five stars anyway, if you really want to, but I would highly recommend you listen to them. Um, and yeah, let's just try and really help them meet this target to them, um, to get Rotten Tomatoes approved. I know it would mean so much to them both. So, um, obviously, as I said, listen to Austrian Babble, um, search for them in your podcast app. Um, they cover everything. They're on everything. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. I listen to them on Pocket Casts because that's my app of choice. Um, their website is offscreenbabble.com. Um, and they're also on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at offscreenbabble. So next episode, um, as I mentioned, patrons, Sade, Simon, Hardiel, Claudia and Simon. They already know this because patrons get a list of upcoming movies every month. But I'll be honest, the next episode is going to be awesome um, because we're sticking around with Lord and Miller. They're really great filmmakers. And in 2018, they made arguably one of the best movies of the year. It was definitely the best animated movie of the year and possibly also the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Hold on to your multiverse, Miles Morales, because I'm finally going to get to talk about the stunningly beautiful and accomplished Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And for me, I'm so excited. I don't know how I'm not talking like a million miles a minute, but I'm so excited to talk about it. I very briefly mentioned Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse all the way back on my first episode on Titan AE. I did a little segment on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse um, and explained why I thought it was so astonishing and fantastic. Um, and now I'm going to do an entire episode on it. And I'm so excited. I genuinely think it's the special <laughs> it is it's the chosen one spider-man into the spider-verse is the chosen one um and we're sticking with lord and miller um and i've haven't intentionally uh picked animated movies with links to each other but i've kind of found these little links each time i've sort of gone from one episode to the other and i never picked the lego movie and then spider-man into the spider-verse 
um, specifically for the Lord and Middle Link. And it was just something that came to me and I just thought, yes, this is it. This is a perfect link between the Lego movie and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, I'm so excited. I can't tell you. And I hope you're excited too because that is just going to be a joy to talk about. Um, hopefully I can do it justice. Anyway, if you like this episode, I've also done episodes on Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, Speed, Aladdin, 1992-2019, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Charlie's Angels 2000, The Mummy 1999, The Matrix, John Carter, Willow, The Iron Giant, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Logan, Edge of Tomorrow, Legally Blonde, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 10, Hush, Mystery Men, Passengers, Stardust, Constantine, Arthur Christmas, Akira, Kubo and the Two Strings and The Incredibles. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. Whew. I'm going to have a drink. One sec. I had a a bit of a case of uh, a bit of a sore throat last episode. And um, it was actually Pulp Cereal, Hardy L, who recommended to me. He was like, girl, next time take a drink. So I'm taking his advice and I've just had a drink. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. You can sign up to support the show at patreon.com slash Verbal Diorama from $2 a month. And as I said, you get fab perks. You get access to the upcoming schedule. You get a shout out on the next episode on Twitter. And on the episode itself, um, you also get early access to episodes. So episodes will come out on Patreon at the moment about two days earlier than general release. Um, All the way up to producer level, just like Sade. And then you get the same perks that Sade gets. You can email me, general hellos, feedback or suggestions, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. My website is verbaldiorama.com. If you like what I do and you want to leave me a great review as well as off-screen babble, you can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, wherever. I would really appreciate that. That would be awesome. I also have a column over at Film Stories magazine, uh, which is an independent British movie magazine. Um, I would love it if you would support that magazine by going out and buying it, really. Um, You can buy it online. You can buy one-off copies. You can get subscriptions. Um, That would just be awesome uh, <laughs> uh, I'm also doing bits for film stories online so now I have two things that I do for film stories online so the first thing is I recommend great British movie podcasts each week so look out for those I'm try. I'm basically going down a list of podcasts at the moment and I'm trying to make it a nice mix of different podcasts covering different things the only thing that they need to be is British and a movie podcast if you're not on my list or if you've not spoken to me, then let me know and I will feature you. Um, the second thing that I'm doing now is I'm actually doing a little list for the iPlayer and I'm updating that list every week with films that are on the BBC's iPlayer, um, which is iPlayer is a free service that if you've got a TV license, you get access to iPlayer and there's loads of films on iPlayer. So keep an eye on that list because it's changing constantly. I update that every week as well. Um, and I guess that's it. We are done. And the final thought I have for the Lego movie is a really simple one. 
you don't have to be the bad guy. You are the most talented, most interesting and most extraordinary person in the universe. And you are capable of amazing things because you are the special. And so am I. And so is everyone. The prophecy is made up, but it's also true. It's about all of us. Right now, it's about you. And you still can change everything. Good to know, right? Bye. Movie should know. Movie should talk.